Yeah, yeah. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted. Before we get into this week's episode with my special guest, I got to give you the backstory into who he is. My guest this week is Javid Best. Javid is one of those athletic talents that come around every once in a while. I mean, a dual sport athlete in both football and track. He excelled in both. In his senior year in high school, he ran for 3,325 yards and 48 touchdowns, both Bay Area records. <laughs> he did the same thing on the track. As a junior, he ran a personal best of 1031 in the 100 meters and 2065 in the 200 meter sprint. After tearing up the field and blazing up the track, Javid took his talents to play football at California University. California Golden Bears, baby, where he continued where he left off. In three years, Javid rushed for 2,668 yards, 29 TDs. He caught 62 passes for 533 yards and six touchdowns, breaking records left, right, and center, including the most rush yards in a single game of 311 yards. And he also helped Cal win the Emerald Bowl in 2008. In 2010, Javid was drafted by the Detroit Lions with 30th pick. Javid came in and quickly made an impact in his rookie year where he started 15 games with a breakout game against the Eagles, where he had 78 rushing yards, two TDs, and 154 receiving yards, including a 75-yard reception. You know, when you're playing a high-intensity impact sport like football, you don't get through it without dealing with your fair share of injuries. And Javid had a different injuries throughout his career, one including concussions. Unfortunately, he suffered one too many. And in 2011, he had his last concussion that would eventually force him to retire from the sport. In his two years in the NFL, Javid rushed for 945 yards on 255 carries, six touchdowns, and he also caught 85 balls for 774 yards and three TDs. Javid was a dual threat running back. In my humble opinion, if he was still playing to this day, I truly believe that he would be one of the best dual threat running backs of all time. After he stepped away from the sport in 2015, Javid decided to come back to the track where he once blazed in high school. Joining Altus, this is where Javid and I actually met. We became training partners, and I saw the same work ethic that I had in myself that he had for himself, the same high expectation and standard that I set for myself. He had that same expectation and high standard, and I think that's what really made us really good training partners together. He qualified for the 2016 Summer Rio Olympic Games with a time of 10.16 in the 100 meters. He represented St. Lucia and was in the same heat as Richard Thompson and Usain Bolt. After retiring from sports, Javid has been extremely active with his foundation, the Javid Best Foundation, helping the youth in his community, providing mentorship and leadership development. He also spends time coaching and he spends time making and producing music. He's an extremely talented cat in so many different ways. He's got a good heart. And no matter where Javid finds himself, he's going to be successful at it. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode with my guy, Javid Best. Javid. Hey, what's good? My guy, man. What's going on, bro? I haven't heard your voice in a while. Man, man, I'm just chilling, man. Man, just hanging out. Uh, me and my wife actually, uh, what is it, for almost five months pregnant now. Man, I saw Shit, that. time flying I this saw- year. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw that, bro. Well, man, congratulations, bro. I know it's some exciting times, man. I've been, I've, thank you, man. I've been keeping in the loop from what I can see, man. And, bro, before we even start, man, I gotta go back to. I gotta tell you something that I haven't told you when we were training, bro. You may be def, definitely top three, my favorite training partner, bro. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why, bro. Because <laughs> I, obviously, you know, we 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 both push each other to be better, but I. Also know mm-hmm. that if I'm feeling rough, <laughs> I know my dog feeling rough too. 
You know what I'm saying? I know I'm not going to be the only one in training <laughs> sore because some people out here be playing possum, man. So I just, I just had to tell you that <laughs> every day, it's a, it's a real grind, man. Real grind, bro, man. you've been able to accomplish some, some, some things that many people can't say that they have. Um, I want to go back to the beginning, bro, because I believe if we can understand the beginning of how a person got into who they are, then we can understand the decisions that they make along the journey, man. So start off by telling me where you're from originally. And just what was what was growing up for you like, man? Just like the everyday, what were you doing, and 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 and, and uh, what did that look like for you? Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, El Cerrito, to be exact. When I was a young kid, um, I was fortunate enough to uh, go to private school uh, my entire life. My, me and my sister. I had an older sister. Um, so, you know, just growing up, uh, I guess the biggest difference, I'd say, because I coach now, I'd say the biggest difference between my childhood and the kids today is I, I grew up outside. Mm. So um, when I was young, my uh, older cousin lived uh, in an apartment right above ours, and there was a basketball hoop in the little parking lot. So my, like, earliest memories was just, hooping in the little parking lot in the apartment complex with the ceiling on it and everything. <laughs> I don't even think we can shoot from too far. <laughs> but it it didn't even matter. It, like, nothing mattered. It was just about being outside and just just playing. And that that kind of stuck with me almost even to high school. I say even at high school, you know how you get to high school and it's almost like, it's your kids are too cool to to yeah. sweat and play at recess and i was like one of those borderline kids i go back to after lunch <laughs> he was getting busy heck going to class because <laughs> every once in a while i'm playing i'm playing and so it, it, i think that 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 just just made me who i was i just loved competing uh i just loved just being active so it didn't matter what it was it, I just like being outside and like just competing. It didn't, I don't care if I was just skateboard when I was younger, I thought I was going to be <laughs> the next Tony Hawk when I was younger. Like, and I'd say that's another thing too. I always was like mm. a, a, a big dreamer. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that came from um, my dad. I guess it did come from my dad. Cause my dad would always just share me stories about Michael Jordan and, Kobe and every everybody that I kind of looked up to, he would kind of give me an insight into uh, their upbringing and what kind of made them tick and how they would work hard. And I remember some of my earliest memories are um, of like being competitive come from like, uh, I want to say about fourth grade mm. basketball. We I'd lose a game. And uh, I come home and I'd be like kind of hot or upset, but my my dad would kind of put it in my my head like, "What are you gonna do about it?" Kind of. And so I would immediately go to the little backyard and start shooting free throws if I was missing free throws or shooting shots or practicing my left hand layup or just to know that it, if I feel that disappointment there's something I should be doing. So next time mm. I don't yield those same results. Man, did you ever feel like, cause sometimes, you know, our, our, the, my grandmother used to say, man, she used to kind of say things, you know, those cliche statements like hard work pays off and, and it's not what happens to you. It's what you do next. And all these different things. When your dad was saying those stuff to you, did you knew, kind of knew what any of that meant? Or you just felt like he was just, you know, just being a dad. Uh, I felt like he was kind of being the dad, but I also felt like I kind of, I didn't, I didn't fully understand what it meant. I just kind of took it as it, you just got to put the work in. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I don't know what the, I don't know what the exact documentary, I think it was called Michael Jordan, come fly with me or something like that. But, um, there was a part in that, that really resonated with me because my dad explained how, uh, Michael Jordan would like 
mm-hmm. shoot until it got too dark to shoot in his backyard. And so he had, his dad had to put up a light or something like that. And it was just stories like that that I didn't really know what they meant. But as a young kid, I understood that it meant that I had to do a lot more than what was expected to to become great if I wanted to be great. I couldn't just go to practice and then go home. Like it was, it was stories that he would tell me about people doing things that were extra, that were something that nobody would think of. So it made me Man, think outside the box. You come like, from, you from the state of California, bro. Every person that I know in California, uh, athletic ability is on another level. And they swaggy, they swagged out, they got confidence through the roof. Man, I was talking to uh, uh, to Vernon Adams last month, and I was like, "Man, where does that Cali swag come from? Like, why y'all y'all be dancing, y'all be grooving, man? What what was high school like when you started playing football and started running track and field? Because, as I mentioned, California is a big state, which means that man, you guys have so many different talents and so many other gifted people who kind of want to achieve the same things that you want to achieve. You 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 always mentioned to me uh, yeah. when we were training that you always considered yourself a smaller football player, especially for the position. What from the story that you just told me, you felt like you always needed to do more, right? Was that a common theme throughout your whole high school career? Yes. Oh yeah, I would say definitely, uh, and I would attest that to me coming from. Uh, I don't know what kind of conferences you guys have out there, but we have basically like seven different divisions when I was coming up and I was in the smallest and worst division. And so knowing that once I kind of, I started, I started Mm -hmm. as a running back as a sophomore for my school. And uh, so I was already pretty much one of the best people on the team as a sophomore and because I, I saw, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. Let me see. Let me see. So I got oh, yeah, to give you a bigger picture it, to fully explain all this. Yeah. <laughs> so in high school, I lived in a hilltop. We moved from El Cerrito and I moved to Hilltop. And I, I lived in an area where most of the kids played uh played football growing up so before high school Mm. I had not played a down of football I was I would just only play uh just like at recess wait you ain't even touched in the neighborhood mostly and uh I was out not even not organized just only like two-hand touch or uh tackle football in somebody's lawn or or we used to we invented this game this other game just just street stuff football playground football stuff (laughs) Because I was a basketball <laughs> player. I thought I was going to be in the NBA. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the whole time uh, growing up, like everybody that lived around me, they all wanted me to play on their uh, Pop Warner teams and all that stuff. But my mom didn't want me to play football. My dad didn't really care, I guess. He, he was like, you could play if mm. you want to, but your mom says no, so you can't play. So my mom made a deal with me that I could play when I get to high school. And so I went out my uh, freshman year. I think I ended up playing half of, half of the season and I broke my wrist. And um, my mom would kind of give me the, <laughs> the, the look of like, I told you so. Like, let's just yeah. let's just stick to track and football. <laughs> I mean, track, track and basketball and let's leave football alone. And so my, my sophomore year, um, I started playing and I started getting like better. I started getting a feel for the game because it was only my second year playing. So that I started understanding how to actually play. And I got some success within my team. But when I would go hang out with my friends that didn't go to my school, they would, they went to other schools that were like in division mm-hmm. three or division two, higher divisions than me. And I would be like, man, I ran for like 110 yards and had two touchdowns. <laughs> and they would just be like, yeah, but you play at Salesian. You play at whatever. That, if y'all play, if you played in my league, like, man, you be your own people. And so, 
And so, so that was as a sophomore. So I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, like, okay, to prove to my, my dudes that I'm, I'm actually legit. I got to go above and beyond. I can't run for 150. I got to mm-hmm. do something crazy. I got to go harder. I got to go harder. And so I always had, I always kind of had that chip on my shoulder that that was out to prove that I was, I was worth what I thought I was worth in my head. Cause I felt like people would see that I was 5'10 and maybe 180 pounds soaking wet and be like, nah, he, he, I don't know if he could last in the, uh, in the, on the next level or in, in if he was playing in division one with the De La Salle's and stuff like that. So I always had a chip on my shoulder to go prove that I could, I could play against anybody. I could, you put me up, mm-hmm. line me up against the best in the world. Man, and I'll that's still a, take that's a, that's a mentality that, um, is definitely internal, but it definitely helps when there's some external forces trying to say some other things, especially your friends, right? And was there was there a game, bro, yeah, that, that that stuck out to you in high school that you said, "Man, like I really did some work this game." Um, uh, I I'd say there was a lot of games that that were like mm-hmm. that in terms of like for myself. But at the same time, I was I, like I would be having a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, but we weren't oh, necessarily man. winning all our games. So at the same time, like I was never really one for stats because I've I've had games early on in my like playing football career where I had 400 yards, but you lose and. <laughs> you'll go in the locker room and be sitting there quiet, but you could have a game where you got 50 yards and you guys win no touchdowns yeah. and you're in the locker room going crazy. And so I never really, really care about my individual re- real accolades unless it came in a win. So that kind of dumbed down the individual accolades. Like, yeah, they're cool to, prove to people that you you do stuff but I was more so focused on on winning and um yeah so I wasn't really too man too I appreciate you sharing success. that because you know for the athletes listening to this um especially in 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 football and in basketball you know you can have all these major accolades and try to be that person try to be that that top person but at the same time like if your team is losing <laughs> It don't matter how top you are if your team is losing, it hurts more. But man, what yeah, what what most people don't understand too, bro, is you were doing work on on the football field, handling business, but you was also doing work in track and field. The first time, the first time that I heard about um, you in the track and field sense, man, it was when um, I got invited to Acadia Invitational back in like two thousand and eight. 2008, 2009. No, no, sorry. 2009. <laughs> no 2000, way. Somewhere there. And I remember looking at the list and I was just like, uh-huh. wait a minute. Right. I had, this is the, I had never came down to America like that. Right. And I was just like, wait a minute. These cats is running 10, 10 fours and 10 threes in high school. These guys are running 20 points. I said in high school. <laughs> and then as I'm looking down the list, I saw Javi Best 20.6 in the two. Man, tell me a little bit about the track aspect of it, man. Because a lot of people, when they think about dual sport athletes, um, they don't understand that you really don't get time off because as soon as football is done, you kind of jump over to track and field. So tell me a little bit about that transition. And, and, and did you feel more comfortable running track and field than you did playing football? Um, I'll tell you, for majority of my life, I was a track athlete. So when people call me a dual sport athlete and say, like, now today I can understand why, because I uh, the NFL kind of overshadows the track. But um, <laughs> well, hey, maybe hey, not. We'll I get into the that. Olympics wow. under there now, too. <laughs> So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was like, like you said, as soon as football season ended, it was track. And then for the, in ter- in that term, it was track all the way around until football season, like was just about to start from, so most of the year I'm training yeah. for track. Most of the time I'm training for track. 
and then you just play football. But it was mostly like you're training for track all year round and squeezing football in for the most part. And that was that was like my life as a high school athlete. And so uh, between AAU track, I used to run club track a lot and then training for high school track. It Mm -hmm. was mostly track training. Because you had some you had some dogs out there, bro, because, again, like especially the race. Because uh, I went and watched the race because I wanted to understand why these cats are so fast. Uh, the race he ran 20.6. There was another yeah. California guy, yeah, who ran like 20.4. Right, Sean Nellum. And I, and I said, I said, these guys are drinking different water out here, bro. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> All I can say to that is just iron sharpens iron, man. Like, uh, growing up, when I, was a, uh, when I was a sophomore, there was a guy out of Panole in my area. His name was Wopamo Osaisai, and he ended up going to Stanford oh, yeah, on, a, uh, I believe, a track and football scholarship. But he was he was a senior when I was a sophomore, and he was, like, mm. consistently hitting 10-4s, 10-3 every once in a while. So it was, like, everywhere I went as a sophomore, as a, as a freshman, too, <laughs> but even as a freshman, I couldn't even get in his heat. But uh, as a, as a sophomore, everywhere I went, you just see Wopamo, and he had he was notorious for pink. He would wear pink shoes, so he would order the girl shoes off of eBay, and he would oh, wear like man. princess socks, and then he just and then he just get in mind there games. And run what can you do? You. you you can't say nothing once you lose. It's just, all you gotta do is just real. sit in defeat, man. So. So then uh, once he kind of graduated, the door was kind of open for me to kind of take the Bay Area. But there was still just like there was still 10 fives around like any 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 meet I went to. I had to like bring my A game because if I didn't bring my A game, I would take an L and you didn't want to lose. You never want to lose. And um, then on top of that, <laughs> outside of the Bay Area, you got that whole other world down there in L.A. And so. We, me and my coach, we would go to Arcadia and uh, Mount Sat relays and just a couple of meets during the year where we knew mm. the LA crowd was going to get a taste because you nah, don't want to just, you don't want to just run against your own competition all year and then hop in the state man. meet and see the boys remember, from LA. I remember that same meet, bro. I remember I was walking <laughs> so, by and, and I was wearing something that says like Canada on it. And one dude said, <laughs> one dude said, it was a fan. He said, "Hey, y'all got track in Canada?" I was like, "I was like, dang, <laughs> man!" But the crowd was massive, man. I think and crowd massive. They all come decked out in all their <laughs> colors. They got the coins and the uh, jugs. They got the horns. All their kids gonna dye their hair colors. They're all gonna have some crazy socks on. <laughs> They're all gonna have brand new spikes on. <laughs> you Ripped up in the hole because you, you don't really take care years. of it. Man, it's it's yeah. it's crazy when you think back and reflect on certain things and these and you can kind of still envision it, man. After after you know yeah. the, the 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 football success and the track success, man. Um, then it was on to college. That's the next step, right? Now what? What was that process making that decision look like for you? And what were some of the schools recruiting you and, and, and why did you pick to stay in California? I had a I had a lot of schools recruiting me. I don't even remember <laughs> the total count. It's been too long now. I'm getting old, but uh but uh essentially it came down to me wanting to be around my family. So I narrowed it down to the Pac ten. Mm-hmm. It was a Pac ten at the time. Now it's a Pac twelve. But um I wanted to stay in the Pac-10, so at least, like, if I played Berkeley or if I played Stanford, like, Mm. my parents could come to a lot of games, my family could come to a lot of games. And then it really came down to uh, Oregon, SC, and then Cal. And the decision I really made was based off of the running back coaches. Uh, At SC, I don't even believe I met with the running back coach, so... We were we were assuming that I think they were gonna try to switch me to a different position or something, and uh, Oregon Oregon was like I almost committed Oregon when I went on my trip in the jerseys. They had me in the bag. 
they had they had the jerseys with the name on it and they had the the man. at the time it was the brand new Michael yeah. Vick shoes and that was when Michael Vick was a man and they just had locker rooms with TVs in it and that was back then so that was 2000 uh, what 2006ish and so TVs uh, locker rooms with TVs man, in it bro, it's funny you say that bro it be crazy uh, I went I went to visit Ole Miss and I almost committed their the same thing because I'm coming from junior college and they done laid out like matching sweats, matching shoes, man. They got matching socks. They got, they got a whistle. I don't even coach, man. but they gave me a whistle. I said, I said, I said, I said man, I'm about to go here, bro. It was crazy. Man, I, yeah, I woke up, you know how it's like a, a whole weekend, right? I woke up Sunday morning. I went straight to my parents' room at the hotel and I was like, I'm finna commit. <laughs> my mom was like this is your first trip you gotta at least take you get five you at least gotta take I'm another one I was like nah why <laughs> this is this is raw <laughs> but uh but yeah so then I, I ended up taking a trip to USC and then took a trip to Cal and at the end of the day it I was I was so close with the Cal running back coach it was his name was Ron Gould and he was just the best best coach probably I've ever had in my life and the resume of running backs oh, that yeah, were yeah. just coming out of Cal under him it was just like when I started thinking about it in that terms me and my dad were like it's a no-brainer if you want to be the best running back you could be you got to go where and learn here and so uh and it being right in the backyard right down the street like 20 minutes from where i grew up and so so i think made it i think for those listening because um especially you know the athletes listening to this it's 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 very important to to not just get caught up on a big school right because sometimes the big name isn't necessarily the big the, the the right fit for you and so for you there was certain amount of probably a checklist after the jerseys and stuff uh that you know that you wanted to hit but one of the things I try to tell people too, man, I'm like, look, yeah. once you get to a certain spot, right? Like it's a big transition from high school to college and college to the pros, man. What was that first year like for you? I'm talking about adjusting to, to, to um, a bigger school. Classes are bigger. Adjusting to your, you're not necessarily um, a student athlete per se. You're an athlete student first. Cause you gotta, you gotta schedule is on a different level. Yeah, and definitely what kept you focused, man? Cause it's a lot of distractions. Why there's a lot of distractions out there now, man. Uh, I would say what mm. kept me focused is being close to home. Uh, especially at that age, uh, being on your own and time management, like you said, the schedule is probably the, the biggest thing that you got to deal with going from high school to college. Because in high school, you, you have your parents there checking on you. You got teachers that actually care about your education, if you're fortunate. Uh, but you have people that, like, check on you and make sure you're doing what you want to. They're doing the right thing. But when you get to college, it's like even some coaches will be like, if, if you don't really want to be here, if you're mm -hmm. not putting in effort, then I don't care. So that's the first time that people get that freedom where nobody's forcing <laughs> you to do anything. And that's a yeah. slippery slope for some people. And if you're, if you're not mature enough to handle that, then you got to have a support system to kind of put you in check. And I'm not going to say I wasn't mature enough to handle that, but it definitely helped that my, uh, my family was, it was there to kind of check on me, help me out. Uh, if things were going bad, I could just hop in the car or, get a ride from one of my teammates or my friend and then just go back home and get my mind right. And that was definitely big for me. And so it, it's definitely a slippery slope because you can get lost in the sauce quick in, in college. And, uh, and uh, one more thing about time management too, the biggest adjustment for me was uh, when I found out that I was going to be a true freshman our playbook, we had Jeff Tefford and he had previously come from like a, a, a NFL kind of camp. So crazy our playbook was huge. And, and <laughs> in high school, I didn't even have a playbook. We ran like four or five plays. 
So it was just learning the playbook and special teams and watching film and and scouting. And then on top of that, I'm at one of the best universities in the world. So I've got a full load of classwork. I've got tutors that I got to check in with. So it was like, yeah. you really just had to give up your free time. Like you really didn't have time to just kick it and have fun if you wanted to excel in football and academic. Like you just, you, I, I didn't give up all I, my free time. I, I always tell, I always tell whenever I go to speak to kids um, at all ages, especially the ones who are about to go to college. I was like, man, when I was at University of Alabama from 630 to 830, I was, I was on the go. Cause you, you like, you, you, man, I can't, th- I, I, and it's nothing because it's like, you don't even have time to think about it or complain about it. Cause it's something bro, else. Coming I remember up right being now. so tired sometimes, bro, that I just got untied at the same time, man. I, I was like, yeah. I was like, man, I don't want yeah, to go to no this, this night class or study hall. I'm saying that as I'm walking towards it, right, man? But you know, I think I think <laughs> I think you said a lot of a lot of things that I really think will hit home, man. Um, you saw the field as a true freshman, and for those listening, like a true freshman um, is someone who literally comes in and they're able to play right away. Um, you saw the time. And when you first got there and you were behind a running back, I want to say his name was Justin Forsett, right? Dude, dude was a, dude, dude's a beast, man. Again. And, but in 2008, bro, this was, this was the first time that I actually ever saw you play football um, on TV. And the reason why that even name, your name came up was because one of my coaches, uh, he went to the U and yeah, he went to the U um, and he always kept in touch with like schools and stuff because he was just like, "Key man, you gotta go. You gotta go down south. You gotta go down south." I was like, "Bro, I'm just trying to graduate high school first. Like, let me go ahead and knock this out." And so he was just like, "Man, he sent me. He sent me a video, and the video was a highlight when you were playing. I want to say Washington State, and I think you had like 200 rush TDs and or 200 rush yards, and you had three TDs, but you had two runs, bro. That was like." 80, 80 plus for both. I was like, man, this dude, this dude get busy. Cause my, my mindset when I was playing football was I'm trying to score every play, no matter how, where, <laughs> where it is. Every play, every but play, 2008, every time I, I feel like ball. was a big year for you, man. Walk me through that year. Like did anything shift for you mentality? Were you, did you feel like you were in great shape? Did you feel like you finally understood all the play calling? Like what, 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 about that year really stood out for you because what I think you finished with what that year uh I'd say it was it was a a culmination of a lot of things man um I'd say first off leaving my uh freshman season and just knowing that the job for the starting running back was open I mean we had Shane Vereen we had other running backs there that that was competing like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily guaranteed my my job and our coach, running back, uh, our running back coach, Ron Gould, he made it clear that when Justin left, the job was open. So it, it was kind of like I, I, I felt mm. pressure. I felt like the it, it, it's like crunch time. So I was I was working, I was working hard to get in shape. I was uh, studying the playbook even harder. We got a, a new offensive coordinator that year, and he introduced the outside zone which I that was the first time that I had ever ran the outside zone and that I fell in love with that play uh, or that's blocking scheme and so it was a it was a, a a lot of different things it was my mindset along with the scheme that we were running along with the players I was playing with I mean I had mm. Alex Mack who's still playing as a center today I had uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who plays on the Chiefs today. Um, Will Tafao, a fullback who played in the league for a long time. Um, we had receivers. We I had a lot of I had a lot of help. So you, when you see those, <laughs> and 80, there was a lot of them too. But. <laughs> 90, 70, 60 yard touchdowns. 
I, yeah, I, I'm getting through those holes quick. So that that old line was opening <laughs> those holes. I'll take I'll take the credit for the safeties. I'll be breaking the safeties. But uh but the 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 old line creating those seams for me and then the receivers blocking down blocking downfield too. Cause it, on a lot of those plays, if I it, like how uh Frank Signetti always used to explain it to us is the the offensive jobs on a run game is to get me my one on one. And that, and then my job is to get that one-on-one and make that guy miss. And so those times where you see those big plays is when we block it up correctly man, you, and you, I do my job. You broke some that records one-on-one. at Cal, man. And, and you obviously had a lot of success and you did a lot of things. Uh, you won the Emerald Bowl, um, which, <laughs> again, you had, you, had, you had a big game in one of the biggest games that's, on, that, that's highlighted on TV. It's a bowl game, right? Um, did you ever feel like you were NFL ready? Did you ever feel yeah. like you were NFL back? That's a tough question. Uh, I really didn't give too much thought to it, to be honest. I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that's always kind of, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, infatuated <laughs> with the task at hand. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I never really thought too far in advance i'd say my my junior year our sophomore summer i'd say the nfl kind of kind of crept into my head but it was i've always too focused on the job at hand so i always felt like i just needed to just focus on being the best player that i could be man Um, you uh you don't play a sport without dealing with injuries and dealing with the other part of it that most people don't talk about man um you know, there's that there's that play. It was it was nice, and I'm saying my guy was making moves, making people miss. My dog went up and got a hurdle. He was showing off the vertical leap, uh, <laughs> but then but then you got clipped and you landed the wrong way, man. Um, walk me walk me through a little bit about that because yeah, now yeah, yeah. that you have these NFL teams looking out for you, um, you you are already what they would say is an undersized back. And now you have, you know, now you're coming off injuries and coming off these different things. And now they have their own doubts about you. And will you be able to, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all part of the process. You can't even be mad about it. That's just what it is. But walk me through that process, man, because um, a lot of people don't talk about the other side of sport. Uh, yeah, man, definitely. Uh, that was definitely one of the toughest things um, that I had to deal with. I mean, uh, going back to that play, uh, it was it was just kind of surreal. It was like I I, I remember running, r- calling the play. I was the quarterback in a wildcat formation and everything, and then next thing you know, I just woke wake up in a hospital. Man, so you so remember kind of like just like it happened in like a little flash, and uh, no, it was like. <laughs> gone yeah it was like it, it felt like i was in a fight with tyson just yeah like, ding 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wake up just like what what happened <laughs> and so um yeah man and it was it was definitely difficult because uh if if like a lot of people pay attention it's funny because I, I just had a, a little barbecue with my friends the other day and we were talking about it and i was like a lot of people always bring up the concussion from that, but um, yeah, yeah, like my my legs came all the way yeah. back to my head, dang near. Like I folded up like a lawn chair, and my, I herniated a disc in my back from that. And so when I when I like came to and like was thinking about like going back to school and like figuring out the processes of like even before mm. I even started thinking about playing again, like I was like, I can't even really move my leg. And so it was like, I know on, on paper and from an outsider's point of view, it looks like, dang, the concussion is like super hard to get back from. But when you step in my shoes, it was like, I, I was trying to figure out how to walk again first. So the concussion was like almost, yeah, it was bad, but it was almost like the second thing I was trying to deal with. Cause I was trying to get back to running, get back to walking. Cause my back was, 
my back yeah, was that's, more that's, labor that's in me crazy than, you say that because that was kind of my initial first thought of it you know because yeah you landed on your head but i'm like my dude's like legs was touching the turf Oh, oh, nah, my dog not flexible, my dog not flexible. <laughs> and I am not, not that flexible. <laughs> and so it was heck interesting, no. man, because, yeah, heck no. you know, I remember, I remember after I saw that, um, again, it had already, it had already happened. But the next time I saw you next, you know, you were, you were already in the league. And what happened after that, bro? Like, how did you get the, how did you get? how did you get the confidence again to, to, to go back on the field? And, and how did you get the, 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 keep that same desire and, and, and keep those thoughts out of your head? Cause once something happens, you're, it's kind of in the back of your head. So how did you get yourself back inside to the football mentality again? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you just, if you just look at football, it's part of the game. And so I almost feel like, going into football you you know it could happen so whether or not it happens or not I don't know that's just how I view it it's like it's almost irrelevant I'm still gonna view this game the same way and so it happened it, it happened to me I got knocked out it was a nasty player or whatever but it didn't like you know that could happen before you started playing so it wasn't it wasn't too it wasn't too much of a hurdle for me, honestly. I just wanted to get back out there and play, and I felt like if um, if I what if I was, feel like I can play, then how I should would just you go best describe your that. NFL experience, man? Because you went on to represent uh, to get drafted by the Detroit Lions, man. Um, a tough organization to uh, to be drafted to. They were going through a lot of changes, a lot of different things. You know, trying to change the trajectory where the team is going, and you got there, and. Man, you had some, bro. You had some, you had some good runs and some good plays and some good season in the NFL, man. What was that experience like for you? Was it like a dream come true? Did you, did you feel like, man, you know, this was just the next step? Because as you just said, you're kind of a step to step guy. You don't really think too far ahead. You focus on the present. But what was your NFL experience like for you? Man, it was it was definitely fun, man. I, I I to to say that it wasn't a dream come true would be a lie. It was definitely a dream come true. I mean, I feel like anybody who puts pads on every year, they all dream about playing in the NFL. So it was definitely a dream come true. But once you like right after that draft night, then it, reality kind of sets in, and it's just another football team trying to get better, trying to perfect your craft. You're at another level. You get try to learn new techniques and and try to adjust and um the Detroit Lions at first I was just excited to to get drafted so I didn't even really care where I went and then I started looking at the history and of the team and seeing how like I guess not prestigious it was but I always viewed that as an opportunity and um I took that as an opportunity to yeah. go out there and I could kind of change history and I, I felt like we were on our, our way. I felt like we had something good, but uh, it's not always in the cards. I mean, that's what that's that's the point of sports. That's the point of any kind of competitive game. The uh, the best teams, the <laughs> best teams always win. So you got to it, it, and it's only Man, one winner every year. year. So it's a, it's, a, it's just a lot of losers every year. <laughs> so that's just that's just how it goes, man. That's what that's what I always tell people. I'm like. There's no, there's no, there's no like sad stories. There's no disappointments in sports. That's just how it goes. That's how you play. That's, that's what you play for. So just being a part of anything, just making a name for yourself at any level. Man, that's you go from sunny California so to the a win-win winters situation. of Detroit, man. What was, what was, what was those first... <laughs> What was those first couple of years away, oh, away when you weren't playing football, man? What were you that doing, was man? Rough. Were you staying inside? Because I know it'd be getting cold like Canada and in, in Detroit. That cold is different. That cold is very different. But uh, I got a funny story. So the first couple of weeks I went out there, I was looking for a little house or whatever. So I found a little townhouse and I, uh, I set it up 
I was out, I was only out there for like a couple of weeks, so I just set it up. I had like that's all you need on the ground and everything, <laughs> but I have my TV and everything already in there and everything. So I'm, yeah, that's all you need. All you need is a TV and an Xbox or a PlayStation. But um, I was I was sitting up watching I think ESPN or something one night, and uh, the little cable warning came on. And it was like, (laughs) if you're in these counties, please go to shelter, tornado warning. (laughs) And then I was just like watching it. At first, I was like mad that it was blocking ESPN or whatever. But then I started reading it and I'm like, look, I'm reading the counties. And I was like, hold on. I don't even know which county I'm in. So I go, I take out my phone and I Google and I I see what county I'm in. (laughs) What is that? And my county was on there. And then I'm like, tornado what uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about tornado so i automatically just started assuming twister <laughs> so, so i started calling my mom my mom's telling me to get a radio and go in the basement and get some water <laughs> i'm panicking <laughs> but i started texting my teammates and they're just like bro that happens all the time don't trip <laughs> but i was like i was spooked, i thought a twister was what? gonna come tear my house apart i spooked but between tornadoes, the snow, uh, I got another funny story about the snow. Um, there was uh, a snow on our driveway, and uh, I'm coming home, and uh, my sister had moved with me out there, and she calls herself like clearing <laughs> the driveway, I guess, and because oh, we never lived in man. snow, so we don't know anything about snow. So she turns, she turns on the water hose. I think it'll turn like ice. Fr- <laughs> Start spraying the driveway. So the so the driveway, all the snow starts moving off the driveway. So the driveway's like clear or whatever. She goes back inside. I pull up. I don't know how I don't slide into the driveway, but I pull up. I park. I get out, and as soon as I oh, hop out of my car, man, I you just skate hit the little like Looney Tunes <laughs> zoop 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 bow. <laughs> Skating fell on my back. I come in the house and my sister like <laughs> looking at me like I had a, got, I got blasted at practice or something, and she's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Our our driveway is like ice skating," and she was like, "What? That's crazy! I just sprayed it." <laughs> man, I remember my first time seeing snow. I was like, man, that's why it's ice I came to Canada and it was snowing, and so my first thought was I had never seen it before coming from Jamaica. I was like, "Oh man, this country got sugar falling from the sky, bro." I was like, I ain't never seen that before. Man, you know, um, <laughs> you obviously enjoyed your time in Detroit. And, you know, I really think to this day, if certain things would have went your way, man, I really do think that you would have been one of the best running backs to ever be in the league, the league especially, especially as a dual threat. It's one thing. I think that's what made you that much more valuable because you could you could run from the backfield and you could throw in receiver. And you'll catch as well too. But after after you know you 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 stepped away in in twenty thirteen and you were trying to figure out if you were going to be back and you got the news um that you know you weren't going to play, what was going through your mind during that stage and did you know what was going to come next? The quick answer is no. I had no idea what was to come next. Uh but what was going through my mind, to be honest, was um, I had a tutor at Cal, and he would always preach to me about plan Bs, having a backup plan, and all that kind of stuff. And while I was at Cal, <laughs> I I didn't hear I didn't hear want to hear none of it. Yeah. All I wanted to do was hear just football, 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 because I was like, if 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 you gotta make it, you you gotta be all in. And so uh, it just it just hit, and I was just like, man, he he was right. This it, this thing isn't guaranteed. Like football doesn't care who you are, what you do, where you came from. Like the sport it is it, it's just unbiased. Anybody could get hurt. Any play could happen. Anything could happen. So uh, I I I felt like I was a little unprepared. I was I I was. I would say that I thought I was going to at least play out my rookie contract. So I was definitely unprepared for everything to just kind of come to a halt uh, so quickly. And so I, I was going through my mind at that time was 
I, I even texted his name was Brandon. <laughs> I even texted him. I was like, yeah. dang, yeah. dog, you was right. Like, you should have had a plan B. And and so now when I talk to uh, kids and college kids, college athletes, I always preach about the importance of uh, having a plan B and not having all your eggs in one basket and still being able to give it your all. But just, just knowing that it's – the the realistic harsh facts that the average career is 2015 2016 comes around and the 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 man the legend that i have seen on tv is on the track training in phoenix arizona and you know we became training partners man and you know one of the things that i remember there was a practice specifically and this is when I knew I was like, man, this dude, this dude is a machine because you came back and you said you were out of shape. I mean, you, you ain't look out of shape to me. You was in good shape to me. My dog kept saying he's out of shape. I'm overweight. And, but I remember, <laughs> man, it was one of our first uh, block practices and you pushed out and I was like, wait a minute, this dude, this dude ain't out of shape. <laughs> this dude ain't out of shape. What? What made you come back to track and field? <laughs> Something that you hadn't really done since since high school competitively. Not only that, you go on to become an Olympian in 2016, competing in the same heat as the fastest man in the world. Man, what 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 do you, what even gave you the will to come back and say, you know what, I could still do this, man. Uh, I'd say it was just yeah. as simply as I can answer that. It was just still my competitive nature. Uh, in 2013, when I, when I realized I wasn't going to play, I came back to California and I, I was coaching at my high school and, um, coaching football, <laughs> not track and field, but, uh, football. And, um, right after that football season, so going into January of 2014, uh, I went back to school to finish my degree at Berkeley. And I, a couple of my classes, I had some track athletes in my classes. <laughs> so I just started chopping it up with them. And they were talking about how they could run 10-3. And, da -da -da. <laughs> and so my my this is me in 2013. I was still so competitive <laughs> sitting in a classroom. And I was just like, man, I can smoke all these dudes and they run. <laughs> and so th that's honestly where the idea has sparked from. And so I ended up uh, working with the Cal football team for a little bit, too. And there was a, um, a football player mm -hmm. who was also a, a great track athlete in California, Califani Muhammad. And um, he was on the football team. And we never raced or anything, but he was like, man, you could probably still run. And then it was just like little, little conversations. Even my dad was like, you should just run just for fun. You don't even need to run, like try to go to the Olympics, just run for fun and just compete. And so I started, so then I went to Cal and I asked the track coach, can I just work out with the uh, track team? And then from there, uh, Malena, Malena was, mm -hmm. had just left, uh, Cal as a long jumper and she went to Alton and she saw that I was working out with the Cal track team. And she was like, if you want to be fast, you need to come out here. Cause there is fast people all over the track <laughs> and long story short, like almost three weeks later, that's how fast it happened. Three weeks later, I was in, I was in Arizona just for like a week to see what you guys were doing and once i saw that y'all was out there getting it the way y'all was getting it man like, you yeah, I you come out here these dudes again really, to me you adjusted really very quickly it was it was it's like you never <clears throat> left and man you know i remember i remember when you when you ran the qualifying time for the olympics i remember, I remember some people were messaging me like man did you see what john just ran i'm like are you surprised i'm like bro we we be like we be doing work in training. And so when you're around all these other guys who are running 10-0 and 10-1, it's like you're going to be yeah. that same byproduct if you continue putting in the work and continue doing what you're supposed to be. And you've always been a guy who showed up during the time. 
What did it feel like when you found out that you were going to the Olympics, man? What was your first initial thought? Because um, <laughs> you were not only an NFL guy, but you were also a, a Olympian now. That's two of two of the biggest titles in different ways that you could say, man. What was what was going through your head? Yeah, man. Like I guess this is just like the football thing. I was kind of just so focused on the task at hand. I wasn't even really thinking about the Olympics. Uh, I'd say uh, Stu had a conversation with me when mm -hmm. I first got out there and he found out that I had uh, St. Lucian blood to run for St. Lucia. But at the, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking <laughs> about that. I was just like, I was literally thinking about waking up every day and beating y'all at practice <laughs> Like, that's that's about as far as my thoughts were. <laughs> Every day I wake up and I look myself in the mirror and be like, all right, you are not finna get roasted today. They don't want to see you today. They don't want to see you. I'm finna get them in the 30s. I'm finna get them in the 30s. And so I was just literally focused on just, just competing with y'all because I knew y'all were at the level where I wanted to get to. So I was like, if I can go out there and hold my own with these guys, then they'll take me where I need to be. And that was one of the most, like, beautiful things about being at Altus and training with y'all because I was in good hands. All I needed to do was show up and compete and listen and soak up game. And y'all basically gave me the recipe. All I had to do was just listen and learn. So it was that's, – that's as, like, as far as I, I was thinking. I was just thinking day to day how to incorporate – what y'all do to, Man, to kind of transform I was, my I was truly happy when you made the squad, body. bro, because, man, <clears throat> we trained every single day together, bro. Like, our groups, me and you, like, we never changed. I told, I told Stu, I was just like, man, I don't care who you bring in, just as long as me and Java together, yeah. because I knew the same work ethic and the mentality that, that I had, you had the exact same thing. So I was, I was, I was, I was ready to go to war with you every single day, man. After, yeah, after the Olympics, man, you know, um, I forgot where I was, but I had seen uh, that you were doing a lot of things in the community, man, like in the communities where you grew up with, uh, with your foundation. But what didn't, what the foundation was obviously, um, obviously a great mm -hmm. thing, but as I dug more information about the foundation, man, I found out that like, it's basically your whole family. It's your sister. It's some, it's some, it's some of the people that you grew up with. Um, tell me a little bit about the, oh, yeah. the best foundation and, and, and why did you want to start yeah. that? Because you started that in 2010, but you kind of, you kind of were able to put more focus into it in 2008, man. What does that foundation mean for you yeah. and, um, and the family and the youth? Uh, that foundation, best foundation, it means a lot to me, man. Uh, it, it, I just feel blessed that I have an opportunity to to give back to the community that I was raised up in. And so, like like I said, I started in 2010, but because I was in Detroit and uh, playing in the league, it it really didn't really take off until after that, until post post football career. And then I could be more hands in hands in and show my face and everything like that. But it's really we're just really just like serving the community in any way possible. It's like I know most foundations kind of have like one mission or one set goal. And we just kind of listen to the community and whatever the community needs, we use our network or use our our anything that we can do. To, to help out and so that's that that is one thing that's really important to me and another reason why it's so important to me is like <laughs> you said it's all my family so that just it's just an excuse to hang out with your family and and do something I love positive it, man. at the same time let's get into these so last five like questions bro it's situation. just five you know it's random great. questions i always the first question and the last question are always is always the same that i ask everybody man Question number one, um, if you were trapped on an island, man, what are three things that you would bring with you being trapped for a week? There's no, there's no batteries. There's no chargers. You know, what, what, what are you bringing? What three things are you bringing for, for one week on this island? Three things I'm going to bring. Uh, man, <laughs> I 
I'll bring my wife because that's a cheat code. Yeah, yeah. Right now she's pre- she's she's pregnant, so that's that's two in one right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna bring my wife, and if I didn't say that, she'd probably kill me. <laughs> uh, three things: I'm gonna bring my wife. Uh, I'm gonna bring a mm. portable hoop and a basketball because that's my meditation: shooting jump shots and. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I pretty much shoot almost every day just to kind of clear my mind and do a little cardio. Uh, so that's three. Um, whew, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna bring some uh, ve- veggie burgers and a and a man. <laughs> uh, question number two: because I'm um, vegan and I gotta what, eat. <laughs> what was your game day routine like? For me, it was just when I came out the tunnel. If my family was there. I had to just know where they were sitting. That was the only thing that I was kind of like a stickler about. So I would like when I pulled up to the stadium, uh, I would text my family group chat and just be like, let me know what section y'all are sitting in. And then when I come out the tunnel, I would, I would see them. And that was the (laughs) only thing that like, if I didn't see them the whole first quarter, I'm looking in the crowd. (laughs) So that was that was the only thing I was like I gotta just see my fan before I play. Man, so what is your favorite it. dessert? That was the only thing. Everything else it could be. It didn't really matter. I'm <laughs> still my guy loves some donuts. Uh, donuts, man. Donuts, donuts, man. That's for breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> every every man, every chance I can get, I'm getting donuts. That, and now uh, I'm not running no more donuts. You also produce music. And you are a machine. You be creating some bangers, man. Uh, what was what was the first what was the first freestyle <laughs> first music that you produced, and, and and what was the name of it? What was the first name of the freestyle? Uh, well, shoot, my first couple of songs are on all platforms right now. It's uh, you could type in Slabby Sosa on any of your platforms. There's four songs on there right now, but you can listen to any of them. Those are the first four songs that I put up uh, for for anything. Now, I got hard drives from with music from all the way back to like 2007, but those are the first four songs. It's me and my cousins, just like just like the best foundation. Not too much, man. We, we're into the sports yeah, training I be seeing hobby. You, doing. you know, you man, know anything about doing that? Out there like the sports cards man this is a whole industry it's like the stock market but uh we're Mm. we're heavy into the sports cards and we make music that is about the sports card so it might a lot of the bars might go over your head you gotta you gotta tell me a little bit about that later you'll be like oh my god Uh, these guys are on to something last question man um with with everything that you've been through everything that you've been able to accomplish man if there was one word to describe Javid best, what would that one word be? Consistency. Because, uh, like you, like you kind of said, you knew you knew what you're gonna get. I mean, I think that's I think that's one of the biggest things with anything that anybody does. If you're just consistent, uh, things will. I feel like things will kind of work out for you. And by that, I mean like showing up working hard like if, if that's your 100% that better be your 100% next year that better be your 100% every day and so I feel like I just stay consistent or persistent if you could say man, put, put it that way where too. can people but stay in I touch like with I you man how can they no how can what? they hear the music I'm about to plug everything as well too man but how can people continue following job investment uh you can follow me on instagram it's a uh, job at best. And then uh, from there, you'll see everything, man. I got a, a break page on Instagram. It's called best sports CI. And uh, on all, all music, music is on all platforms. Just type in slabby Sosa, S L A B B Y S O S A slabby Sosa. And then you'll see all our music. And then that'll just lead you to our Instagram. We got a Facebook. We got websites coming. We got logos man, coming. This we got is everything. this is anybody that knows Java, man. So Java be doing things right. right. Like when he said he gonna do it, he gonna do it, man. And I'm a firm believer, bro, that you know, 
we have to give people the roses when they're alive, man. So from me to you, bro, I don't know what God has in stores for you, man, but I know he's going to continue to use you to do great things, not only as a husband, but a father, but also what you do in the community, bro, because whether you hear it or not, believe it or not, you're a walking inspiration for every person that you're connected to, especially the youth, man. And from me to you, my guy, it's always love, man. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of Javid Best, not just a fan, man. Man, I appreciate you, my man. guy. I appreciate you. I appreciate you chopping it up with me, man. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch soon. Appreciate my guy. you, man. Appreciate you, man. All right, so I love you, man. man. All right, man. Come on!